0: They're also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's
1: ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BDW. Revoid. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18+. Good evening
0: and blessings and welcome to another installment of the Gist of Freedom Estate. This show is produced by acclaimed historian, educator, and author, Leslie Gist, and serves as our weekly live online discussion to celebrate the African-American experience by honoring all the people, past and present, black and white, who with faith and focus are preserving our rich history through literature, the arts, the skilled trades, and the humanities. We thank you for joining us tonight, and we'd love you to be a part of tonight's discussion by calling in with your comments or questions to 347-324-5552.
1: Jamal? Yes. You can start.
0: Good evening, good evening. My name is Jamal Brown, and I am your host for tonight. Here on the Gist of Freedom radio show And tonight we have a fantastic show Where we will be discussing a topic that is in the news uh, That being the topic of monuments We're going to be talking about a particular monument That you may or may not have heard of One known as Cleopatra's Needle And we'll discuss some history behind it By the end of the show, you will know what it is Where it came from, who created it uh, how it got into the hands of the New York Metropolitan Museum and how you can see it today. Again, my name is Jamal Brown. I am the founder and creator of Black 365, where we create a suite of culturally relevant products. Uh, our chief product being the Black 365 calendar. We have a book as well as uh, some Black history cards. You can check it out at black365.com. Uh, as I mentioned, Uh, Monuments are something that we see in all cultures, in all civilizations, throughout history, throughout time. Even when you go inside of the Bible, you hear descriptions, you can read stories of monuments. One such monument, uh, some Christians uh, view as the first idea, a concept of a monument or something being preserved, is the manna from heaven. We all can recall that Exodus story where Moses was fleeing out of Egypt, and God provided those who were on that exodus with manna from heaven. They were instructed to keep that manna inside of jars and hold it as a testament, as something that they can recall, rec- um, reflect upon, and preserve, and be spe- a symbol something again the manna from heaven they kept it in jars as they were on their exodus also the Tower of Babel if you read Genesis chapter 11 verse 1 through 9 which we'll go through here shortly we see inside the Bible images and information of monuments let's take a look here Genesis chapter 11 I'm reading from the uh, new king uh, new international version Genesis 11 Verse 1, now the whole world had one language and a common speech. Verse 2, as people moved eastward, they found a plain in Shinar and settled there. They said to each other, come, let us make bricks and bake them thoroughly. They used brick instead of stone and tar for mortar. Then they said, come, let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens, so that we may make a name for ourselves. Otherwise, we will be scattered over the face of the whole earth. But the Lord came down to see the city and the tower that the people were building. The Lord said, If as one people speaking the same language, they have begun to do this, then nothing they plan to do will be impossible for them. Come, let us go down and confuse their language so they will not understand each other. So the Lord scattered them from there all over the earth, and they stopped building the city. That is why it was called Babel, because there the Lord confused the language of the whole world. From there the Lord scattered them over the face of the whole earth. Again, that is Genesis chapter 11, verses 1 through 9, where we see the people Coming together, building an edifice, building cities, building a tower to memorialize a place and a time and a period that they felt was important to them. However, God had other plans. Again, tonight we will be discussing another monument that you may or may not have heard of, that being Cleopatra's Needle. What is it? What has come to be known as Cleopatra's Needle is actually three separate obelisks that have been taken from Egypt and displaced throughout the globe. The three pillars known as Cleopatra's Needle today, they can be found in London, Paris, and New York City. We have a caller, uh, 404. You want to chime in? How are you doing? doing fantastic, brother. How about yourself?
1: I'm I'm just listening. I'm listening to what you're saying.
0: Okay, great. Uh, real quick, just for posterity's sake, uh, what's your name? Where are you calling from?
1: Um my name is Roland. I live in New York.
0: Roland from New York. Okay. Uh let me ask you I know you just called in to listen, but uh have you seen Cleopatra's Needle? Uh I'm getting ahead of myself from my notes here, but uh they're in uh Central Park. Have you have you have you had a chance to see the uh Cleopatra's Needle?
1: I, I haven't had. No, I, no I haven't.
0: Okay, okay. Again, thank you for calling, and uh, hopefully by the end of uh, tonight's show, you will be intrigued enough to make the soul drawing down there and uh, check it out. Okay. All right. Again, uh, some call it Cleopatra's Needle. Some call it Cleopatra's Obelisk, and, again, we will uh, break it down. Again, there are three separate pillars. Uh, One is found in London, one is found in Paris, and one is found in New York City. What is an obelisk? Uh, We'll read the definition. The obelisk is defined as a stone pillar, typically having a square or rectangular cross-section and a pyramid top set up as a monument or a landmark. Cleopatra's uh, obelisk in New York is made completely of red granite, most likely taken from an area known as Aswan. Several of the ancient Egyptian uh, temples and monuments that have withstood the test of time have come from this sacred Uh, area, or this area that was sacred to the ancient Egyptians, known as Aswan. Again, uh, the one there in New York is made of red granite. It stands 69 feet tall and weighs nearly 400,000 pounds. That's right, 200 tons, which is equivalent to nearly 400,000 pounds, and it is inscribed with authentic hieroglyphics. Again, where did it come from? And originally, this obelisk was found in Cairo, Egypt. It was made thousands and thousands of years ago. Uh, but again, it's found its way to the shores of the United States, and it's erected in New York's Central Park. It was created in the 18th Dynasty by Pharaoh Tutmosis III during his 54-year reign in Egypt. the III comes to us from the most prolific, the most well-documented, the most well-known dynasty in Egypt, that being the 18th Dynasty. Let me just talk forward just a few moments about the 18th dynasty the 18th dynasty is the dynasty that you think of when you think of egypt i'm talking about this is the dynasty of nefertiti this is the dynasty of akhenaten this is the dynasty of so again when you think of egypt when you think of the the beauty the splendor the gold the sculptures you think of the 18th dynasty and Thutmose the who was the creator of cleopatra's obelisk comes from this most famed time period. the III was the nephew of Pharaoh Hatshepsut. Pharaoh Hatshepsut may or may not be a name that you are familiar with, but let me tell you about her. Pharaoh Hatshepsut mistakenly sometimes referred to as Queen Hatshepsut, but there is one distinction. She was not a queen. She was, in fact, the pharaoh. She was the fifth pharaoh of the 18th dynasty. She, perhaps, is the world's first well-known head of state. Before her, there's not known to be too many women who ruled a dynasty, a civilization. And she was, in fact, again, Egypt's first female pharaoh. She ruled Egypt for 22 years, just like a sister. Sisters always seem to make things better. They always make things right. They smooth out the rough edges. They make things more beautiful. And they, uh, you know, tend to fix things that us brothers mess up from time to time. And so when pharaoh had sepsis, came to be the Pharaoh, she did things like sent missions out. She sent missions out to places that Egypt had historically been warring with. For example, she sent uh, uh, missions and boats full of gold, boats full of giraffes and elephants to places like India and other places. Again, this is the dynasty that we're talking about that produced so many beautiful things, so many larger than life, uh, dare I say, characters and personalities. And again, that she was the aunt of Pharaoh Tutmosis III. A little bit more about him. Again, it all comes together. It all makes sense here, but i got to give you some backdrop. Uh, Pharaoh Tutmosis III, he created the largest empire that Egypt had ever seen. During his reign, he expanded Egypt's territory north to present-day Syria and south into Ethiopia and parts of Sudan. His name, the creator of this beautiful monument that still stands to this day, here on the shores of North America in New York City, uh, created this obelisk uh, His name loosely translates to e- Eternal are the manifestations of God Born of the God of Wisdom Let me say that one more time It's so beautiful His name, the III Loosely translates to Eternal are the manifestations of God Born of the God of Wisdom Again, he created this obelisk Also known as a Tekken or Tekinu uh, These objects Historically have been signs or symbols of resurrection Assured resurrection Signs of power They're signs of this is a hallowed or holy place Where people have come to do great things And how did this ancient symbol of resurrection That stood the test of time That stood being buried in the stands That stood uh, despite being burned Some say by the Persians uh, how did it come to be in North America? Well, here it is. In May of 1877, Judge Elbert Farman was a U.S. ambassador to Egypt, and he secured what came to be known as Cleopatra's Needle as a gift for the United States from, the, from an Egyptian politician. The politician appreciated the fact that the United States remained somewhat neutral towards Egypt. In a time there in the late 1800s when European powers sought to gain political power over Egypt, the United States sort of set back and remained neutral, they didn't, you know, uh, implant themselves, they didn't too much get involved with some turmoil and turnover that was taking place in Egypt. And so as a sign of, appreci- as a sign of appreciation, as a sign of gratitude, a gift given by the Egyptian government. Uh, to the ambassador, the United States secured possession of Cleopatra's needle or Cleopatra's obelisk. In the year 1880, the obelisk made its way from Egypt. Once it arrived in New York, it took about 39 days in a blizzard in New York to arrive to its current location. We have another caller, caller 904. Please tell us your name and where you're calling from. <laughs>
1: I want a piece of
0: everything you do $100,000 Caller from Area Code 904, can you hear us? All right They might have just been calling in and listening To the good Stuff we got going on, also they have some background Noise going on there, so again, caller from 904, if you would like to uh, turn Down your background noise, let us know And we'll uh, put you back in for your question Or comment in this conversation that we're Having this evening about monuments and this particular monument monuments that
1: we have there.
0: Talk about that. Oh no problem, brother. Uh again, Carla, what's your name and where you calling from?
1: Uh Jacksonville, Emmanuel Washington.
0: Brother, brother Washington, it's a pleasure to have you on this evening. Uh what question or comment do you have on this uh on this topic this evening?
1: Well I'm just tuning in, so I better uh listen a little bit before I get a question in.
0: Okay, no problem. It's a pleasure to have you. Pleasure to have you. Uh, I understand you're a former uh, guest and a friend of the show. So again, it's a pleasure to have you in the house with us this evening. Oh, no doubt. No
1: doubt. No doubt.
0: (laughs) Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Again, we're talking about uh, monuments. Again, monuments have been in the news. We've seen monuments fall. We've seen monuments rise here in recent times. Some are going easily. Some are going with much strife and consternation. Uh, however, uh, monuments are important to every culture, every civilization. And it seems odd to some, why is this ancient Egyptian monument found in New York's Central Park again? My name is, for those who are just tuning in, my name is Jamal Brown. I am back with the Just uh, the Freedom uh, radio show, uh, you know, Hopefully you'll be hearing my voice more in the coming weeks and months and years. Uh, I'm a historian Uh, for more than half of my life. I read, researched, understood, and attempted to teach the best of our collective history from ancient Africa up to present day. Um, I am the creator of website, black365.com, B-L-A-C-K-365.com. There you will find a calendar that I've been producing along with a small team for the past 12 years. Inside of that calendar, you find a little bit of history that happened in our history on that day in history. 365 days of Black Facts calendar uh, highlights an event in Black history every single day and a whole host of other products there, black365.com. Now, now, let's get back. We were talking about how and where and when and why this obelisk known as Cleopatra's Obelisk arrived in New York. As I was saying, in the, the year was 1880. The obelisk made its way from Egypt to New York. Once it arrived in New York, it took about 39 days to me- mingle uh, excuse me, meander through the street. Uh, there was crowds and throngs of people who came out despite the frigid conditions and finally, on the day, January 22nd, 1881, there were onlookers, there were construction folks who erected what's known as Cleopatra's Needle or Cleopatra's Obelisk there in New York's Central Park, just east of the Met Metropolitan Museum. It is the oldest outdoor monument in Central Park. How can you see it today? Some may ask, where is it at? How can you see it? And again, it still stands to this day in New York Central Park. Uh, there's a lot there, In 2014, there was a large conservation effort that took place where specialists from all around the world, some of the greatest minds in conservation got together to figure out how to remove the years and centuries and decades and ages worth of dirt and pollution that was on it. Again, there's over 2,000, I don't know if you heard me, there's over 2,000 square feet feet of surface on this humongous 69 foot 440,000 pound monument that stands there in New York Central Park that made its way from Egypt but again um, it can be found in New York Central Park just east of the Met and again it has has survived the test of time it's been knocked down it's been burned it's been uh, buried in the sands of Egypt Uh, however Some folks here in the United States thought that it would be something of of uh, an empowering symbol, an empowering monument, and so they chose to bring it here to New York. For those who may not still know, despite the description I gave, what a Tekken or what an obelisk is, think of the Washington Monument. The Washington Monument is... Located in Washington, D.C. As you know, it's white. Uh, it is the from what I understand the largest structure in D.C. I, I don't know if this was an urban legend or a myth. But I once read that the obelisk the Washington Monument in D.C. is 13 stories tall. I've, I've read that there's an ordinance that says that no edifice no building in D.C. can be more than 13 stories tall. So that theoretically, at least you can see Washington Monument from any place in washington dc again this is an ancient egyptian symbol of resurrection it stands as a testament to a people uh letting the world know that here in this place we will stand eternally we will stand forever there is an assured resurrection that will take place this place with these principles with these folk ways and mores and values will stand forever. so it just seems amazingly uh, interesting to me, at least, that the folks who thought it would be necessary to bring one of these obelisks from Egypt, again, we don't exactly know uh, what's in, what was in the minds of those who decided to bring this to uh, this country, but perhaps they were saying, man, this civilization known as Egypt has existed since the beginning of time let us see if we can capture and 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 propel some of the energy some of the essence some of the life force that has allowed that country and that civilization to stand with withstand the test of times allow allow us to uh, get some of that energy here with us similarly um as i was again wanting to tie in the fact that uh there's been a number of monuments as we all know confederate monuments uh, are, are coming down monuments of christopher columbus monuments of others are now uh with this black lives matter movement and the social change that's going on in our streets uh, and, uh all over this country monuments are coming down and it, it begs the question to ask you know what monuments um should we keep should we preserve are monuments just things from the past that remind us of the past or should they again be able to speak and provide um inspiration and what have you there's always a uh, interesting question interesting juxtaposition juxtaposition that we have when we think about monuments and what they mean and what they stand for and what they should mean also we're seeing the renaming of uh, military installations, military bases um, some say the confederates whose names are on these monuments they were on the wrong side of history they lost why would we have the names of traitors, folks who fought against the United States on uh, on buildings? That's a question that I'm asking you, those in the listening audience. We have um, Emmanuel. Are you ready to uh, chime in?
1: Uh sure. Um. So um, as I move, um listening and actually um I just got um got out of um, the hospital and while I was in the hospital, I was watching um a great video by one of the um african um british historians robin walker um <clears throat> who who wrote the book uh, when we ruled and mm-hmm. as I was um you know learning um through the video um about you know, just how great we we were in terms of, um, as you're talking about, uh, you know, this uh, Cleopatra's uh, Needle, and just talking about the buildings. And and when I think about it now, you know, everything that we see in our modern-day cities can be traced back to ancient Kemet. Yes, sir. Talk, about, talk so, about it. Yeah so you know my one of my dilemmas is um you know just how much do we really need to um uh I guess try to resurrect our greatness when we um have laid you know as they say laid down civilization and yes, sir. and so my i i think my 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 better my better question would be um how is it possible for us to you know one do the daily um duty of living our personal lives and then you know take um the time to um you know go into the self study um because you know I'm I'm quite sure um you know someone like yourself and you know I pride myself on being you know somewhat of a historian but um you know there's just so much and in our community um we are not set up in our community to support those scholars unless you go to you know the um school system here in America or or, or wherever right. but but right. you're surely not being supported by um the people back in the hood and right. um you know that becomes the the dilemma that I have that oftentimes, well, you know, it, it's great that I know all of this, you know, pertinent details, but how do I um, not just be, um, a, you know, as they're saying about the Bible, be a do, you know, not only a, you know, a knower, but a doer. How do I right. take the history and make it applicable today?
0: Beautiful question. Before I go any further, let me just say, Brother Emmanuel, is so glad, I'm so happy, and I'm sure others are as well, that you are at home and you're standing upright and you're breathing and talking and able to contribute and continue to move forward. We, we, we're thankful for that. Again, I'm glad that you're home and recovering well, Brother. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, sir. And to uh, answer your most important question, uh, that has been... The quest of my life, my my life's work is dedicated to exactly what you just said, taking the best of who we are and what we are, not only reading and researching and understanding it and internalizing it, but taking it a step further and manifesting it through our daily walk, our daily talk, our daily activity. And the most important piece is, again, not only keeping it, but giving it away. All the history, all the knowledge, all the nuggets, all the gems that we have, it's not only really our right, but our responsibility to share this information, particularly with a young person. And as you said, the the, the trick comes, how do you make it relevant? And so I just try to find myself, uh, try to find ways to synthesize the information, somewhat put it in the language and logic of the streets, if you will, and, you know, and, and spoon feed it. The people, don't hit them over the head. Too many of us acquire knowledge information and want to hit people over the head with it. We want to showcase and show off how intelligent we are. But it takes a humble brother. I can hear the humbleness in your voice. It takes a humble person uh, such as yourself to, again, find ways to make it relevant, find ways to make it uh, palatable for our people. Just kind of like the history I was given with uh, the 18th dynasty. We can say to a young person, hey, you know, all that gold, all those diamonds, all those uh, gems that we rock around our, our necks today. You know, those brothers in Egypt wore gold just like we wear gold today. You know, did you know there was a brother named the Third who uh, had this humongous temple? And part of this temple exists in New York City today. You know, there's people who live their entire lives in New York City without knowing that something from thousands of years ago from the shores of Egypt has made its way to the shores of New York and stands here uh, as a testament of time that when we come together, work hard as a people, live together, collectively work, uh, uh, some of those principles that we all know, uh, unity, self-determination, collective work and responsibility, cooperative economics, when we use these, these, these principles that are, tried and tested we can create things that will withstand the test of time and you know we can roll that into. did you know tutmosis third his auntie she kind of was like maybe a big mama she was one of those sisters you know around the way that you know ruled and and did things well she was the first pharaoh you know her name was hadception and you know uh she was related to a brother named Akhenaten, and he changed the game. You know, he had his thoughts and ideas on how things should and how should things should be, and so he completely flipped the script. And you know, we can find these individuals, find these personalities from the past, uh, a humanize them, and bring them to life, and you know, tell their stories and make them relevant, and uh, give their give their lives purpose and meaning and relevancy here today. You know, one of my favorite people from ancient Egypt, especially during this time of uh, the pandemic at home school. Again, uh, one of the things i like to say is not only our right but our responsibility, and now we have time uh, uh, as we're all at home and these stay-at-home orders and, you know, shelter-in-place orders that we have all across the country, we have time. You know, many of us, we've watched everything on Netflix. At this point, we watched a million and one YouTube videos. We, we've walked the dog. We, we, we've, you know, dusted off the bike. Now it's time for us to go back and dig into some of these books that we have in our libraries and on our shelves. And really, again, re reread some of the books. That's what I found myself doing rereading some of the books that I've already read and finding ways to synthesize and again, humanize and bring to life the uh, individuals that I have been doing this reading about. Um, it's an excellent time to take our children and, uh, and, and ourselves again, uh, Of course, you do your social distancing, of course, you know, do all the things to keep safe, but uh, virtually every state in this United States, there are monuments, there are uh, contributions of black people, you know, I'm here in the Los Angeles area, there are certain parts of Huntington Beach and other beaches where black people uh, were the primary purveyors, the primary participants, the primary folks who have laid the foundation for some of these areas all up and down the, uh, the coastline here in California. Um, there, again, are, are black beaches that were historically black and what have you. So, again, I, I encourage each and every one of us uh, that will hear this broadcast to find out what is the black history in my neighborhood, in my city, in my area code, in my town, in my half of the state and you know let's take a trip let's get out and see the beautiful world around us and see the beautiful contributions that black people have made brother emmanuel said it so very eloquently we have laid the foundation of this nation our blood sweat and tears literally are in the soil of these united states and you cannot go too far without seeing the great contributions of black people in this country before i close let me just give a quick recap of some of the topics that we talked about. We talked about Cleopatra's Needle, created by Pharaoh Thutmose III in the 18th dynasty, uh, the greatest dynasty, in my opinion, in ancient Egypt. He created an obelisk. An obelisk is an ancient Egyptian symbol of resurrection, ancient Egyptian symbol of power and steadfastness. And the U.S. government got their hands on one in the years 1887. It was given as a gift to the United States and brought to the shores of the United States in 1880. On January 22, 1881, Cleopatra's needle was erected under the guise of the New York Metropolitan Museum and is erected in New York Central Park where it stands today, 69 feet tall, nearly 440,000 pounds, over 2,000 square feet of surface, has authentic ancient Egyptian hieroglyphics on it, Again, ancient African knowledge, history, information, standing tall in this United States. There are others that can be found. Um, Authentic obelisks. there's one in London. There's uh, the the, the sister, if you will. Uh, The sister one to the one that's in New York Central Park is found in London. There's another one in Paris. There are some in Rome, Uh, St. Peter's Basilica, Uh, the United States' capital, Washington, D.C., the largest building in Washington D.C. is the Washington Monument, and it is in fact a replica of this ancient Egyptian symbol known as an obelisk or a teken, which, is, as I mentioned before, is a sign of resurrection, was a sign of steadfastness, is a sign of strength. Uh, again, Black History—what we call Black History—truly is world history, and you can't go too far, kicking over a rock or digging too deep, without discovering and uncovering Black History. We are the mothers and fathers of civilization, the world's first doctors, first lawyers, first politicians, first mathematicians, everywhere we went on this entire globe. When people begin to dig, they see blackness. They see greatness. They see us. I am Jamal Brown. You are tuned in to another exciting episode of the Gist of Freedom radio show. You'll be hearing my voice in the near future. For, for now, I am signing off. Thank you all for listening. Talk to you soon